Hello and welcome back. So glad you're tuning in again. I am Mark Lemarker, the host of this fine little program, Things That Seemed Important at the Time. Today, we're going to introduce uh, a, new, a new little project. Uh, some of you reached out to say, uh, and, and by the way, I appreciate this very much. You reached out and you said, love it, uh, love the show, love what you're doing, thank you. But could you offer something a little shorter? Some of it runs a bit long. And, uh, okay, you know, point taken. So here's, we're going to start a shorter thing today. I'm going to call it, I don't know, the Lamarcker Notebooks, okay? And, he, and here's the idea. This will, contain, this will be an opportunity for me to spitball some stuff that's not fully formed. Uh, stuff that I care a lot about, but maybe, you know, is going to take some thinking and some digesting. So it'll be kind of, you know, the equivalent of some point form things to consider. And I want to sincerely invite you, if you have thoughts or hate mail, go to the website, marklimacher.com, leave comments, uh, send me some stuff. You know, let's open a dialogue. And uh, I think there's real opportunity, uh, you know, to pursue this. So, yeah, this will be episode one of the notebooks, okay? The title will always make clear. And not to mention, you'll be able to see that it doesn't go on for so long, Okay. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun opportunity for open questions, stuff with no answers, aimless meandering, all of the stuff I'm really, you know, I think that's awesome. And there's not really a good platform for it. So I want to thank you for the suggestion because you, you inadvertently invited into your lives all of this fun stuff that's going to start to happen. So topic the first, uh, it's going to have to be boredom. This is the one that's. This is the one phrase in my little quiet, slow, boring sarcasm that really does seem to upset most people. Uh, you know, I get the reaction from especially the workshop crowd, by which I mean those of us that I'm sure all of us know. They took a workshop about marketing or something, and now they're very excitable. Like, you can't say that. You can't say you're boring. You'll never sell anything. It's like, well, screw off. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it should be obvious to any thinking person that that's kind of a joke. And if it isn't, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm really not. So that's how we're going to start. We're going to start with boredom. Uh, this is, I really, really am excited about this. So here are some thoughts on boredom. Not the uh, definitive thoughts about boredom. But here's something to start with. Something to begin with. Let's get into it. Okay, well, uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm glad everybody's here. I um, got some feedback. So uh, the feedback is this, that maybe some of the episodes run a little long. Now, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, I'm joined here by Quinn. Uh, he's, he's listening to this as, as I'm talking. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Quinn Gibson, everybody. So I disagree that uh, this is an issue, and I'll tell you 
Why? Because an hour isn't that long. Am I crazy? I don't know. I just, I, to me, an hour is not that bad. I don't get what the complaint is. Mind you. Have lowered the bar so far? Like the units of stimulation are only five minutes now? That's right. That's right. I, well, I think that is what we're facing. Um, but this allows, like, when this came up, I thought about it seriously. And I was thinking, this actually segues into a topic that I had also been hearing about for a little while, uh, like in terms of feedback. Uh, people are very vocal with me about, uh, you can't be serious about the boredom thing. The quiet, slow, boring thing. What, you, you surely are joking. That's ridiculous. Um, but no, I'm, I'm actually here to say, no, I, I have an injunction toward boredom. That is my commandment. Uh, but I mean something specific. So, well, as always. as always. I mean, I mean something specific I am having trouble articulating. Uh, as always. As always, yeah. <laughs> but I swear there's a thing there that I don't really want to name. You know, it's like the, uh, it's the elusive thing that I can only come close to, uh, you know, but, but I don't dare name it. Uh, however, I have chosen to call it boredom. Just to infuriate people. Yeah, uh, possibly, yes. So uh, I, I, I want to thank uh, Quinn. He, he's here today uh, for the – we're going to try something. It's going to be a shorter episode. Just to, and, and all I'm going to do, I appreciate that you're listening. Talking to myself uh, felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable. A little bit manifesto-y? Yeah, it had a Kaczynski vibe. And I listened back and I thought, oh, this is weird. Why am I so angry about boredom? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. Okay, so the way in, I'm pretty sure, is this. Yes, the boredom phrase that I keep using is because I am in some way reacting against this push towards being entertained. Right, this this obsession—it's almost dopamine-seeking. It, it's uh, it's the Nozick experience machine demand of an audience, apparently. Right, right. they they want to be plugged into something and have the heroin equivalent of good vibes and times <laughs> jammed into the system. Remember, we said last time sometimes bad vibes required. Sometimes, oh, bring me some bad vibes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. I think another way of saying this would be that there's a surface texture of an experience, be it in this case musical or uh, theatrical or film perhaps. There's a surface texture that uh, is not really of particular interest. So it can be very captivating to you upon first listening or something, but surely there's more there. Um, I, I actually want to describe something that has nothing to do with music. I, I want to talk about uh, an act of re-watching, re-reading, or re-listening to something. Yeah. And I think that, take for instance, um, that Crazy Not Insane documentary from last fall, I think it was. It's an Alex <laughs> Gibney, one of our great documentarians. Uh, <laughs> but I think I've seen that thing four or five times. And yes, it does start to feel... The more you see it, you you give up the opportunity for it to surprise you with where it's going. Uh, but you 
you know, you start to think about it a little more and to reflect on it a little more. And, right. and that becomes, I think, a message more about uh, encapsulating and thinking about dissociation from reality as existing on a continuum. <clears throat> Where you have, on the one hand, you know, very extreme examples of, of people dissociating from reality in a way that is uh, into other so-called personalities... Now that that seems very extreme and perhaps supernatural to some people, but it's I think on a continuum of everyday dissociation that we are all very adept at, and and I think is a universal kind of experience. Uh, but you know, for example, that that sense of that film emerges not from the first viewing, right? Right, but it gets boring to rewatch it uh, in that sense that I'm talking about, where it's no longer titillating. Right, so the sense of novelty is gone. Right, uh, so it isn't new. exactly because it isn't new, and I, you know, uh, but it occurs to me. I think I drive people crazy with this. I've seen certain film and TV uh, th- moments of of our shared collective history repeatedly. Um, not many, but that seems to be a strange activity. But I do that on purpose, and it it seems to tie into other things. I've reread things. I've I re-listen to things all the time. Uh, and yeah, it does start to feel less uh, exciting in that sense of first hearing. Like the first time you hear a beautiful piece of music, uh, don't move on. You know, re-listen to it until you stop being entertained by it, and then uh. something might emerge. Um, is there any parallel uh, with, say, reading philosophy, where the first reading? I mean, my, unfortunately, my experience is often the first reading is very difficult. And it requires yeah. multiple... That's ex- normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't ever say, though, that the first reading is boring. No. But, no, it's, but think- it's often confounding. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, it, it, I, w- I want to offer another injunction, which is, you know, it would require a life of boredom, in the sense I'm talking about, requires making space for those other kinds of experiences, those non-titillating experiences. But that they, but that they don't suck, and you should probably do it anyway. Is the so I'm curious whether the non <laughs> I like this the non titillating experiences are always a repetition of something that was previously titillating. No, I I would say we have two sides of the of that coin. There's that yes, where something that is titillating, you know, over time and exposure evolves into something else. Right, because so, there's, something, there's something deeper, you know, below the surface texture of the experience that only reveals itself in the fullness of time. Right, and some of that, uh, you know, we equate with boring because it isn't, it lacks the excitement of that first time. So people, I think, avoid some of this. On occasion, not everybody, but even me, you know, I'm not, I'm not free from that. Uh, then I think there's the other side of that, the equivalent of reading philosophy, where that first experience, it may not be titillating, it might be confounding or, uh, you know, disrupting of the of what you think is going to happen, so to speak. Right. I, I know it's not a narrative, but you understand. Um, and yet you pursue that, and that experience is also not about entertainment or dopamine seeking, it's about some other kind of activity. And I would say that 
that parallels exactly to certain sorts of music that are often condemned for being uh, uninteresting or too slow moving or you know nothing's right. happening here but yes but making space for that and yeah perhaps revisiting it um yeah so I, of course i was going to ask is the is the boring and quiet slow boring uh like the boring of the confounding boring of philosophy um where there needn't be anything in fact maybe by design that there's nothing about it that is titillating right even on the ass yes i i i think there has to be yes uh I think any opportunity to question if the the experience in question, let's confine ourselves perhaps to music, if it isn't immediately raucous and manipulative of your emotions and so on and so forth, if it isn't those things, it sucks, it's boring. That to me is thrilling. That should be the thing to, to follow. Follow that thread. The non-titillating, uh, the, yeah. the non heroin-like uh, excess. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think often when people call something boring, what they mean is uh, I'm kind of immediately disinclined to follow it in precisely that way. I'm immediately disinclined to pull at that thread and go into it any further. Right. So it could be that that, that really is a sign that you should precisely go into it further. Yes. I, I also think uh, – so these are just some thoughts. This will be, like I said, a shorter episode. So this is sort of like a notebook, okay? We're just tossing things here. If you hate what you hear, that's really exciting, and I want you to tell me about it, <laughs> okay? Uh, so, yeah, please, please hate what I'm saying. That's the only way I know how to move forward. Um, but I, I also sort of think that – Part of why this pisses people off is that I talk about this in reference to things people like. So mm. when, when you brush up against that taste element, uh, you end up, I think, being immediately misinterpreted. That, uh, you know, someone likes, uh, I don't know, a Hans Zimmer score to something. Uh, great. I Whatever. This is great. But, but upon re-listening and listening in different contexts, I'm wondering what emerges from that. Or it, something that is designed in this case to be so you know, immediately intelligible within the context of its presentation in the film. What, what does it have to say beyond that? And I'm not saying the answer is nothing. I'm saying, why not talk about it? It could be pretty boring. Or, yeah. or in fact, you may discover that you aren't interested in it. So I, this is the other thing. When you brush up against something somebody likes in that way, um, I wonder if there's a fear that they, if they were to interrogate it in any way, yeah. they would come out of that not liking it as much. And that is too horrifying a reality to, <laughs> to conceive of. I mean, yeah, it could, it could either be that on some level they know that upon interrogation it'll come up short. Uh, you know, so there could be an element of self-deception there. Um, or it could just be that that's just not a thing that they have any interest in, or they're just not interested in the uh, further facets of that experience. Right. Well, I'm going to summarize here. So uh, I'll revisit this, don't worry. And I, I, my goal with the 
these abridgment episodes is that uh, nothing will be solved, okay? And nothing may be all that coherent, but at least it'll be short. So uh, boredom, making space for experiences that aren't immediately titillating, interrogating through revisitation experiences that were titillating. Right. How's that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a perfectly good category. Okay. And, and from there, uh, a lot of that revisitation won't feel like entertainment or won't be, you know, it won't satisfy the pleasure seeking, but also visiting something for the first time that isn't immediately entertaining doesn't necessarily mean just a horrifying experience that you can't wait to get out of. Is that fair? Does that, yeah. make, does that make even the slightest bit of sense? As, as, a, as something to consider. And I don't know. I'm not saying I know what comes out of it. Yeah, no, like I said, I think that's a perfectly good category. I wonder, uh, you know, whether people find boring experiences in this sense horrifying or whether they just uh, they just demand to be entertained you know like sure. they just they just have an aversion to boredom precisely in the sense because the only thing they're interested in is being entertained that <clears throat> that seems very likely uh, given that at least in my anecdotal experience uh, all that's left anymore is to find a way to dissociate from reality because confronting it is too, uh, there's, there's just too much going wrong here. So I don't want to be left alone with my thoughts for longer than, you know, five seconds at a time, because I might be, I might have to take action of some kind. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing maybe we should say more about, like, why is it, why is entertainment or being entertained a form of dissociation? Why, why is it, a, you know, why does it involve a failure to confront Reality. Maybe that's just what it is. You know, you're, you're just you're merely being, uh, you're merely being shown a kind of play of phenomena in your sort of theater <laughs> of experience, and that's all there is to it. But you know, does it need to be like that if you're being entertained in this superficial sense? I don't know. It only could be playing that psychological function for you know. Yeah, you know, this could be a true generalization. Many people who seek entertainment do so in order to flee from reality. Definitely, but I, I can't help but wonder on occasion if there isn't, um, you, you know, confronting the brutal realities that we face is it's too much anymore. Like you know, climate catastrophe, uh, the uh, among you know. 10 or 15 things uh, simultaneously <laughs> that are near certain species ending uh, events. Uh, that's, um, that's a lot to, that asks a lot of us uh, psycho-emotionally. And, and perhaps the only thing that there really is, is to dissociate from it. Uh, or at least that's like the first order of business. So uh, my day is going to be structured around uh, Costco Instagram, and then the new Marvel garbage that's out. And I'm going to just sort of put that day on repeat. Yeah. Although it's worth, I guess it, it's probably worth pointing out that people can flee from reality 
by doing other things too, like working 90 hours a week at a law firm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Know, doing corporate tax law or something. You know, that's, that's a failure to confront those realities too. Sure. Uh, it's a lot less fun than, you know, the, the mainlining of the Marvel universe. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. I've never seen any of these things. No, me neither. I yeah. mean, maybe they're good. I don't know. I can't even finish that. I was going to say, maybe they're good. Probably not. Maybe they're boring. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Okay, so something to think about. The, the notebook episodes, they'll be brief. Nothing will be resolved. It'll be extraordinarily unsatisfying. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, brace yourself for more of these. Uh, I had a great time. Thank you for listening to me. Yes, and once again, thank you for tuning in. Things that seemed important at the time. Should you feel so inclined, head over to marklimacher.com, follow the links under the podcast tab, support the show, become a supporter of the show. It'll link you to the Bandcamp page, lots of incentives, many of them musical. You can hear all kinds of crazy stuff I get up to. And I'm willing to post only to those foolish enough to ask to hear it. And by the way, that's a pitch. So by all means, uh, head over there. Lastly, thank you to Quinn Gibson for joining me. Thank you to Jonathan Lewis, Cedric Blary, Jason Velo for the music. We will catch up with you in a week's time. Thank you. <laughs>